Welcome back to an Ohio Country Today podcast, part of the In Ohio Country Today TV show. I'm Dan Wilson. Thanks for joining us. Our guest this week is Jerry Snodgrass. And of course, it's a name that most coaches in Ohio would know. Jerry was a teacher and a coach and still somewhat of a motivator in the position that he's in now. He's been promoting kids his entire life as a teacher and a coach here in the Buckeye State. We're going to be talking about the similarities between agriculture and athletics when it comes to values and leadership and setting priorities and so much more. Jerry Snodgrass is our featured guest this week in Ohio Country Today. Alan Davis, business owner, active farmer. No one knows farmers' needs better than Alan. Give him a call today at 419-738-7447 and talk about total farm protection and more. Allen Davis Insurance Agency is your solutions provider for auto, home, life, business, recreational, total farm protection, and more. Call 419-738-7447. That's 419-738-7447. Pushita Creek Steaks, naturally delicious, antibiotic and hormone-free. From fresh grass and grain-fed, free-to-roam cattle, Pushita Creek is a family-owned and operated 210-acre free-range ranch right here in Ohio. And we take the time to custom-fit your order to exactly what you want. For steaks, roasts, hamburger, pet treats, gifts, freezer boxes, and much more, check us out on the web at PushitaCreekSteaks.com. That's PushitaCreekSteaks.com. It's the Apple Farm Service Winter Fix Special. Free pickup and delivery for the first 30 miles. 10 percent off on installed parts and an extra six-month warranty on any cnh installed parts call before december 31st for the apple farm service winter fix special rodok and midway trailers are your source for north star truck beds when your job is tough you need equipment you can count on every day north star has built a reputation for providing truck beds that work as hard as you and can withstand your daily grind north star truck beds are built with the most rugged users in mind providing years of service to any owner. Remember Rodak and Midway Trailers, your source for North Star truck beds. With three locations to serve you in Delphus, St. Mary's, and Dayton. Welcome back to In Ohio Country Today podcast, part of the In Ohio Country Today TV show. And our guest is Jerry Snodgrass. Jerry from Findlay, Ohio. A name most coaches in Ohio will know. Uh, Jerry, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me on. Love what you do. And, you know, certainly, uh, a lot of commonalities there in terms of, you know, back to my roots as well. Well, let's start there. You know, growing up in Upper Sandusky, what was it like growing up in, in Upper? You know, like so many small town, you know, kids, you know, you really do. And I know it's sometimes overused, but you learn the value of hard work. You learn the value of if you want to get somewhere and do something, you earn it. And I learned that literally in the farm fields of, of Northwest Ohio, you know, baling hay when I was a kid hauling chickens from the pullet house to the laying house and vice vice versa. And uh, just uh, really, when you look back, I consider myself very blessed to have grown up in Northwest Ohio, in Upper Sandusky. And even there, Dan, I'll say this, you know, during that time of working in that big metropolis of Columbus, I stayed living in Northwest Ohio. Mm. Yeah, there's something to be said about the small town life, isn't there? There sure is. Let's talk about your uh, interest in sports. and How did that all uh, develop for you as a kid growing up in Upper Sandusky? You know, it takes a while, I think, we, you know, for anybody to reflect back. But, 
I look back and I say, you know, every single day dealing with sports on the administrative side or the coaching side, I felt like I was giving back to my high school coaches, to my younger coaches and my teachers. Uh, all of that developed as, you know, hey, you know, I, I kind of like this, you know, and I, I didn't have the greatest upbringing, certainly not the worst, but I just looked at that as, you know, friendships, uh, teammates, uh, really liked it. I had a family in Upper Sandusky that, uh, I want to say they took me in, but they, they took me to ball games when I was in fifth grade. Um, their uncle coached some, you know, was a very prominent coach in Ohio and went to their games all the time. I kind of liked that, you know, so that just evolved into, you know, the work ethic that I had growing up along with, Hey, you can get somewhere doing this. So I fell in love with it. And, you know, in the coaching days, I felt like I was giving back to every one of those teachers and coaches that did that for me. When we were uh, growing up back in the day, of course, uh, Sandlot ball meant a lot. I mean, that's where you learned to not only uh, take on some leadership positions by picking teams and getting guys together to play basketball and football, but the idea of competition, the idea of being able to not only participate at a very competitive level with your peer groups, but also gave you the opportunity to, to kind of police yourselves too. So let's talk about that kind of development growing up and in, in doing that kind of sandlot activity with family and friends and neighbors and how that kind of was instrumental in, in those leadership skills that uh, helped you along the way. You know, I think we'll, so many of the listeners today will, will, vouch for this. And I think you and I can, that we miss those days oh, yeah. <laughs> and we're lacking so much with that. And it's not just because, you know, we walked five miles uphill to school and then walked five miles home, you know, uphill too. It's not that it was the love of the sport. It was the love of competition. It was mm. the love of friendship and the love of developing leaders. And, you know, you talk about wiffle ball in the backyard. You, you, you just learned to compete. You learned to play fair. Um, we had right. something in Upper Sandusky called morning softball. And it, it, as a kid, you rode your bike to the park. You couldn't wait. You're upset when it was over. You're upset mm. on a rain day. But you, you chose teams. There was a supervisor, but they let you be leaders. They let you do the things. And you just developed your own pride in doing it right. Uh, sportsmanship had its roots in that, I think. So, you know, we do miss those days because we had to do it today. And I'm not saying that, you know, we need to necessarily get back to the old days, but today people do it for us. I'll throw this in growing up and maturing into the high school ranks. We weren't allowed to have open gyms. Our gym was closed. Now, of course, we snuck in a few windows that we left open, you know, and things like that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, and that was a treat. We're in here playing basketball, you know, in a gym that we're oh, not supposed yeah. to be in. Yeah. But at the same time, we played in the parks. Mm. And some, you know, they they kept the parks up, mm. and that's where you played. That's where if you really wanted to get in, you called winners, and you really learned to compete. Mm. My last one of my greatest memories ever. And there are many of these around, I know, but there was a family outside of Upper Sandusky, the Rife family, had a barn. And they took the old gym floor from Upper Sandusky, it used to be the high school at one time, and they laid it in the haymow or the upper level of their of their barn. Wow. It was enough, it was big enough for four on four, not five on five. <laughs> and they had the interlocking U.S. 
was the only thing they kept intact, you know, of the actual lines and everything else. And I will tell you, the only rule was for the family, turn the lights out when you leave. And of course they were on a string, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I will tell you what, we, I learned more that way. I wish we could get elements of that back. And uh, I think ultimately we're, we're trying. Well, it kind of helped for me to be one of 11 kids and have four other brothers. And all, all we really needed to do was to get a couple other neighbor kids and we can always get a basketball game or football game or a baseball game going somewhere. But there's, you're right. That, that, uh, that idea of being able to compete and, and that idea of being able to police yourself, if you will, in a game without having parents overlooking or uh, other people there trying to, to judge you. Uh, it, it always, it says something for, for building character. So let's talk about that. I mean, the value of earning the title coach or, or teacher, because you were both a teacher and a coach. Right. So let's talk about the value of earning that. You know, I, I find it amazing as we, I, as I kind of morph into this, uh, Bryn Lehman is the head basketball coach at Defiance High School. His dad was, his dad was his predecessor and his dad, I coached in my early years in Defiance. And of course we played at Bronson Park. That's where the kids played. And I, it was my early days of, co- as my first days of coaching and teaching. And I give Bryn a ton of credit at his basketball camp in the summer for his, uh, all of his players. He makes them play at Bronson Park instead of in the gym. And, and I think that, to me, is the essence of a teacher. That's the essence of a coach. Why is he doing that? He's doing that because he wants those fundamentals, those elements, not, not of ball handling, not of shooting. He wants the elements of you know sportsmanship, of citizenship, of pride, uh, things like that. And I think that's... I considered myself in my coaching years and even my administrative years, always a coach, always a teacher. I think the two are synonymous. And I, I think that's, uh, uh, there's a lot of, you know, I think there's a lot expected of teachers and coaches and those very fundamental ideas that you're talking about go hand in hand with being a teacher. And I, I, I do consider it one of the most noble professions ever I look back on my career and say, of all things, I'm glad I was a teacher. And I'm so proud of that because I felt that I carried my teaching uh, into my coaching. Um, you know, it wasn't about winning championships. Everybody wanted to, of course, you don't coach without that. But the real value in that is to this day, when those players still call you coach, they still, you know, address you in the way in which, they respect the things that you taught them. I have a former player that uh, is currently in the NFL. We're going to go see him on Sunday, um, you know, and, and still calls me coach. <laughs> it's just an amazing thing, but that's the part of the profession that is so great. And it, and it wasn't just football for you either. It was uh, basketball and baseball as well. Was, were there other sports that, that you coached besides the, the big three? Well, I still think I coached wiffle ball, but they, you know, they don't count that, you know, but, uh, or, or kickball or dodgeball. Yeah, right. I was a favorite back in the old days, you know, and I think, uh, I think even in my early years of teaching, we were allowed to do that. So, um, it's, I'll consider myself a dodgeball coach. I see there's professional tag now. I didn't coach that, but, uh, no, you know, those were the big three. 
And even in my younger, my early coaching days, um, it, it wasn't uncommon in the late seventies, early eighties to pick up your family or, or, you know, I had not been married yet, but you know, to, to move to another town all for the element of, you know, a, a better position or a rise in the profession. And I did that a few times and certainly eventually decided to settle down. But, you know, in my early times, I didn't know if I wanted to coach basketball, football, or baseball. It was whatever presented the opportunity because I coached all of them. Ended up being a head basketball coach most of my career. And, um, you know, I I remember when I went to my first coaching job, one of the parents, you got to remember, we didn't have the internet in the early 80s. And uh, so people didn't, you know, they only knew what they read in newspapers or heard on the radio. But one of them said to me, uh, one of the parents at Richdale High School said, well, we heard you were a better football coach than a basketball coach. I didn't know quite how to take that. You know, so, uh, but, but, you know, I did keep on coaching football at the younger ages as long as I could, too. So I loved every bit of it. Well, let's talk about today's athletes. I mean, when we were a kid, we played everything. And we were expected to perform at high levels um, in football, basketball, baseball, of course, the big three. Today's athletes, are not so much. Uh, yesterday was uh, kind of a, a signing day or a commitment day for uh, high school uh, players to commit to uh, college. Ryan Day was talking about the guy that they uh, that committed to Ohio State for quarterback. And what turned him on was the fact that this kid made a windmill slam dunk on the basketball court. And he said his athleticism is what sold him. Uh, let's talk about sometimes the, the inability or the, the, the unwillingness, if you will, of parents to get their kids to play all sports. And, and not just not just try to customize them into being a, a pitcher or a quarterback or, you know, pre predestined them at five years old that you're that's all you're going to do because you're going to be my NFL player. Correct. And, and, you know, I'll preface this by saying not all non school, uh, you know, we dub it in the basketball world, we dub it as AAU or travel baseball, or, you know, football really doesn't have that much of a non-school presence yet because of some of the legalities. But I'll preface it by saying they're not all bad. They're not all bad at all. On the other hand, I will say that the, the advent of that has been a critical factor in the, the one sport athlete. And, you know, the Ryan Day comment, you know, being sold on the kid that can slam dunk like that. You can see the athleticism. I think most of us in coaching today, most of us realize that, that it's the skill set, the competition that's developed, um, recognizing that there's burnout. Um, you know, I see it in my own grandchildren that started certain things at age six. And I'm not kidding about that. You know, mm. by a certain age, they want to try something different we should be encouraging to try something different. And who knows, he may come back to those things that he lacked, but certainly um, there are those kids. There are some of those kids that just lack the skill set to play multiple sports. And I think people recognize that. Some people just aren't good at every sport. Not every person can be that windmill slam dunker, you know, but, you know, and, and in those cases, yeah, they, they, they shine in that individual sport, but those people that have those skill sets, especially at the younger ages, wow, we can't encourage them enough to do that. And you know, I think the money of the non-school programs 
has kind of steered people away from that a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm disheartened about that. But again, I go back to they're not all bad either. You're listening to In Ohio Country Today podcast, part of the In Ohio Country Today TV show. I'm Dan Wilson, and our guest this week is Jerry Snodgrass. And of course, he's known throughout Ohio as a teacher, a coach, and so much more. We've been talking about values, leadership, setting priorities, and the similarities between athletics and agriculture. We'll be back with more of that story this week in Ohio Country Today, right after this. Our farm department is committed to providing ag professionals the products, coverages, and peace of mind needed to run a successful operation. With our home office located in the heart of farm country, many of us have first-hand experience when it comes to farming, and we know how to take out the risk. Under one policy, we can provide total protection of your investment from your home and barns to your equipment and livestock. We also provide an outstanding equine coverage from a homeowner with a single horse to a professional breeder and everything in between. Come join us and experience the Salina difference. Stretch your dollar a little further with Apple Farm Services year-end parts sale. Now through December 23rd, save 10% on all parts when you pay in cash, credit, or check. That's 10% off all the parts you need to get your equipment ready for another season. 10% off the parts you need to rebuild that machine in the barn. Or 10% off that perfect toy, jacket, or gift to put under the tree. It's Apple Farm Service's year-end parts sale. Hurry and stop in before December 23rd. Dance Toy Shop is your one-stop shop for Christmas. Remote control land, air, and watercraft. Trains, models, and toys for every age. And we service all remote control vehicles we sell. Dance Toy Shop is Northwest Ohio's premier hobby shop. And we have everything a hobbyist could ever need. Come to Dance Toy Shop and pick up something exciting for Christmas. Dad's Toy Shop in downtown Wapakoneta. Your one-stop shop for all of your hobby needs. Visit us today or at dadstoyshop.com. You're listening to In Ohio Country Today podcast, part of the In Ohio Country Today TV show. And our guest is Jerry Snodgrass from Finley, Ohio. We're talking about sports, actually. We're talking about coaching, teaching experience. How many years did you did you coach and teach? And are you still doing a little bit of it on the side? I'm still doing, I'll start there. I'm still doing a little bit of it on the side. I, I uh, facilitate a course uh, in leadership and ethics and athletic administration at Ohio University. I'm actually, uh, I, I hope my wife's not listening to this, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually considering with a sub shortage of going back and subbing once the new year starts, because, uh, mm. um, I, I just love teaching. I love teaching, but, um, you know, I was, a primarily a science teacher through most of my career and about 15 or 16 years in, uh, I became the athletic director at Finley high school. And at that point it was a full-time position. So I left the classroom but, um, you know, I always say to this day that I remember one of my first players coming up to me when I became the head coach uh, at Finley High School. I had been an assistant there previously for, I think, about 10 years. But when I became the head coach, one of my players came up to me on a, on a Wednesday and said, Coach, I, um, I, I need, he really stuttered about it and said, I, I need to get some biology help after school today. Is it? And he was really stuttering, like, is it okay if I'm a, a bit late for practice? And I knew he thought there's no way that he'd be benched on Friday night and, and everything else. And PJ Martinez, I still remember it. And I, I talked to him a couple, about a year ago on this. And 
reminded him of that. And when I said, it's okay, PJ, take as long as you need. He kind of walked away from me and looked in a rear view mirror at me and kind of turned his head and he thought I was kidding. And uh, mm. so, but that was the, I felt like I was still teaching after I, you know, continued to coach and I, and, and be an athletic director too. So, uh, but you know, my, my teaching career, I'm very proud of, you know, and evolved into the athletic administration side, which I love the organizational side of things. Love the decision-making. I know people find that hard to believe, but you know, even during COVID when I was at the Ohio high school athletic ex- uh, director as, as its executive director, you know, that certainly brought out the best in leadership. That's no doubt about that. You know, Jerry, my uh, daughter's a science teacher in downtown Toledo, and it seems like colleges and universities are quick to pick those athletes uh, from the inner city when their skill set is there. But, you know, we, we deal sometimes with a lack of focus to help improve the education, uh, not only the sources, but also the skill sets of those students coming from the inner cities. You know, growing up in Cleveland, born and raised and moved to uh, Columbia Station when I was 10 years old, out to the country, I, I, I had the opportunity to see both sides. And living here in Wampakoneta, Ohio, uh, since 1983, you know, I, I, I see how small city life really differs for the student athlete uh, in 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 a small town versus the inner city talk about your experiences there and maybe some of the things that we can improve in educating our student athletes and students in general in the inner city you know i I, one of the biggest things and this is where i will put the two of athletics and education in the same mold because in all honesty we talk all the time about athletic athletics being educational athletics. And I'm a firm believer in that, but I'm also a firm believer of putting your money where your mouth is on that. You know, you don't just say it. It's what are you doing? And here's the best analogy. I think I really, really learned was oftentimes when I was the commissioner, and even when I was an assistant for 10 years at the OHSAA, as it's known as by its acronym is that, we had 815 high schools as members that that's the third or fourth largest in the nation that has that many high schools to sit behind a desk and make a rule or rules that one size fits all. It does not work that way. I mean, we have the diversity of inner cities. We have the diversity of the thriving suburbs. We have the diversity of Appalachia and you know, you just, have to really look at a rule or mandates. And I think this goes from athletics all the way through education, that it does not work the same for all. And we would make oftentimes a rule would come up and there's no way that this would affect inner city kids the way it would affect suburban kids. And I don't mean to sound that I'm I'm, you know, anywhere painted against one or the other. It's not that. And I think we really found that during COVID. And again, the relationship between athletics and education pronounced so much when inner cities, if you look during the 2021 year, when most inner city, uh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Columbus, Toledo, were all shut down on their sports. They couldn't do anything. Yet the outside the suburban, or excuse me, outside the urban areas, they were permitted to. I had a real challenge with that. 
real challenge with that. And I think we really need to look at that when it comes to educational philosophy, educational, what we're providing to the education world. I am uh, impressed that, you know, you see new buildings. I think you see new efforts in the urban area. And I'm, I'm pleased to see that. Now we just have to keep going. You know, one of the things that our ag community knows best is adapting to change. How do, how do athletes and how do coaches especially and teacher coaches adapt to the way things have, have definitely changed since we were kids? You know, when I look back and I, I you know, last I checked, in using the sport of basketball, there were 62, 63% of coaches were school coaches. They were teachers in the buildings. That number is lowering considerably. Again, I don't, I can't uh, say that directly what it is today, but the last I checked, that was just a few years ago. That's what it was. And, and I think the reason for that is I think many of the coaches aren't able to adapt to change. I understand we all want us to go back to wiffle ball, playing in the parks. You know, I understand that we want to, you know, excuse me, but kick butt when somebody makes a mistake or something like that. But it's not that way anymore. We coach by encouragement. We coach in the classroom and teach in the classroom by encouragement. Uh, Sitting behind a desk, I used to often say in a rule book that we can't enforce a rule by stating to people it's in the book and you need to read it that doesn't work and it doesn't work in the classroom so i think adapting to the modern times you know adapting to where kids are spending their time on social media on devices we we have to do that and i think schools that are training teachers need to recognize that too we've got to embrace the younger generation their thoughts their ideas so not only to educate them, but to embrace their thoughts and ideas. And, and I think sometimes that's lacking. Um, I know many people might disagree with that, but uh, I like to believe that, you know, in my roles, I've always championed the, the younger person and their ideas and listen to them. Um, you know, when I was at the OHSA, I, I was the first one to ever have staff meetings that included everyone, uh, everyone because I embrace their ideas. And I think that's a key element that we need to do to embrace change and adapt to it. Yeah. Part of that adapting to change is trying to communicate and get everybody on the same page or ag community, for example, knows what knows what it's like to, to work as a team. And if you work individually, sometimes it could have tragic results on the uh, well in the ag community. Unfortunately, you know, we've we've experienced that time and time again when it comes to harvest season and, you know, it can happen anytime. So let's talk about distinguishing the difference of the individual and and working as a team and the communication that that's needed to uh, to be successful. And I think that's where the understanding of what's good for the whole, you know, and I think the only way you can do that is by, you know, when I say educating, but I mean, making people aware in every way, shape or form of everything is bigger than just one person. Um, when the whole team is successful, each individual, you know, is successful as well. You know, maybe not, maybe sometimes they have to give a little, but uh, I can see that in the ag world. And I, we were talking um, a week or so ago, you and I about the um, increase in the number in the yield 
uh, I was talking to a farmer down in the uh, Marseilles, Ohio area, and I bought some firewood from him. And he was telling me about the changes in yield from, I forget how many years ago to the present. I'm thinking, you know, if, if farmers and, and people did not embrace the, the changes and the whole and understanding the whole, he would still be way behind. And I think that's so valuable today of learning. That's where you come in with your podcast. I think that's where uh, there are different uh, shows on TV that uh, Spectrum runs a great segment, I think, too. I don't mean to go that route, but, you know, just the education of everybody and, and, and showing everybody, uh, you know, being part of a team. Uh, being successful is, is more, as you well know, than just a fleeting experience, I should say. You know, how do you repeat being successful. I mean, when you're talking to people and when you're coaching and teaching young minds and, you know, young athletes out there, I mean, what, what does it, what's necessary to, to repeat success? You know, that is a great question. I remember early in my career, we had one of the best uh, teams that we had ever had at Finley. And I still contend that, you know, it was the best team Finley has ever had. And I was young. Um, and I remember talking to a, co- a very, very Hall of Fame coach at St. John's in Toledo. And I told him, I said, yeah, I didn't really mean it this way, but I said, wow, you know, after the season was over, we were going into the next year, it was late in the summer. And I said, boy, you know, I thought it would get easier, you know, with the success. He looked at me and said, get over it, buddy. <laughs> he said, it, it doesn't ever, it never gets any easier. Don't think you're going to rest on those laurels. So I learned that at, at a young coaching age and how valuable that is in all facets of life. So I really learned, and I, I believe this to this day, that it's about bringing leaders back to those that were successful in those times. And, you know, almost the expectation. We all talk about kids. We all can remember. Who do you want to be when you grew up? Who do you want to be like? Well, that really doesn't change when you're a senior in high school and, and are going to be a junior or senior. You still have people you want to be like, and you really would like them to be like those that were successful. So why not bring them back and be part of your program? And I think that's true in a community. Um, you know, people that have walked the talk, people who have lived that life, bring them back and, and you know, utilize their leadership. Sometimes people have leadership skills they don't even know they have but their success in its own right uh, is that leadership. And I'm a big believer in that in, in alumni associations or alumni oh, yeah. groups being extremely strong. Oh yeah. Yeah. We have a strong alumni group at uh, St. Edward high school where I graduated from. And Oh man, I'll tell you some great coaches and teachers there. The late, great Howard Ferguson, who was, he was a multimillionaire in real estate before he even got it. He didn't have to come there and coach. Uh, wrestling, but he developed a wrestling program that to this day is still setting records. Uh, my my football coach in high school, Dan Flaherty, another tremendous teacher. And, and I, I have to give a shout out, even though it's hard for me to say this because it's St. Ignatius, but Iggy's coach, Kyle, is uh, announcing his retirement too. And he's he's been around for a long time too. That, that leadership is so important. Uh, and those skills are so important to learn, but to transfer that leadership skill to, to, uh, a young individual is, is extremely important as well. 
It most certainly is. You know, I, I don't know the background of all of this when I say it, but it's something I've always, I'm not an Ohio State grad, so I'm not saying this as an alumnus of, of that university, but I look at like, you know, you look back at uh, Jim Trestle, you look back at all of their former coaches, you look back at in basketball, um, and, you know, their coaches in some way, shape, or form have kind of been let go or run out, if you want to call it that. Mm. But yet, they still have offices at the university itself, and they're part of their leadership of to respect what was done. And I think that speaks volumes for Ohio State. I think that speaks volumes for they were successful. And just because they didn't win enough games, and that's the reality in, in college sports, at some point in time, or something happened, um, you know, for a year, they're like, go. But, but like you say, the Howard Ferguson's, you know, the Chuck Kyle's, I mean, I guarantee you, Chuck Kyle's not going to quit giving back. And he's <laughs> right. going to give back just because of who he is. Um, and I, I would, that, I would just, I would just prefer he go away. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> just, just don't have anything to do with setting nations anymore, please. <laughs> but you know, when you do focus on on St. Edwards, um, you know, from their basketball program, it, it they do have. You just look at it. Maybe it's easier in the non-public school. I don't think it is. I think there's a lot more support there um, to cap. You know to capture alumni, successful alumni. Um, I, I really prided myself on that. Really. That's something that I, I used to always, at the time I used the Notre Dame model. You know, I mean, you wore the, it was the golden dome. I just thought that, you know, it, it just spoke of tradition, the Newt Rockney, you know, and mm. I really wanted to develop that. And I think successful coaches uh, do just that. I think successful leaders in schools do that for their school. Wow. Some good stuff. Before we let you go, I mean, once a jock, always a jock. I got to ask you this question. I know you still talk to uh, the student athletes that, that you coach, but, uh, but uh, does age hit, uh, hit jocks harder? <laughs> I mean, does it, does it, cause I know it hits me pretty hard, you know, when you can't, we can't compete anymore, but does it, does it hit, does it hit us harder than those people who, who didn't, uh, who didn't play? <laughs> I think it does. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't, you know, one, I've said this before, every coach in basketball sits down on a bench and wants to win. And I've never known anybody that I don't, even in the seventh grade level, they want to win or they wouldn't keep score. Now, granted, they blend all the other, uh, which, which is commendable, but the Friday night lights one, I don't think there's any way to say it, but it is ego. There's, there's an ego involved in it. I, I don't deny that. So let me, let me, let me ask you that. Who has a bigger ego? Uh, the player, the coach, the parent, who, who, who has a bigger ego when it comes to, I, I think athletes? they all have about the same, but I think their egos are different for what they want, what they want out of. I think the ego for a coach is, is Friday night lights oriented, you know, at first, when I was done coaching, I missed the practice. I missed the teaching. Sooner or later, you miss those Friday night lights. You miss the, it's not the spotlight on you. It's the spotlight on your product out on the field or your product out on the court. Um, it's the spotlight on your work efforts. Mm. I think we miss that horribly as coaches. I, I, I'll i tell you this, Dan. I got a group of former ex 
head basketball coaches together just a couple of weeks ago that we're going to continue with to try to make a difference in the sport, to try to help the sport, I should say. And, oh, my gosh, when I reached out to some coaches and asked if they would be interested, we'll throw things on the wall and see what surfaces from it. Oh, my gosh, I got so many responses, like, wow. about time, you know, things like that. And I, I, don't, I don't so much say that it's ego about we can't let go of it. I think it's the ego that we want to continue to help leadership, give back, mm. whatever you want to call it. And, and I think that's where I, parents have their own ego for their own sons and daughters. And I get that. I get that. And I think uh, we all have it in some way, shape, or form. And I don't think it's bad. We just have to learn how to nurture it the right way and, and contain it the right way. Wow, Jerry. I, I can't tell you how much it's been a pleasure talking with you today. Uh, on our podcast here at in Ohio country today and uh, the similarities that, that we find in coaching and teaching in the ag community is, is just amazing. And uh, you've had a great career in promoting kids in various capacities and uh, can't tell you how much uh, those of us who are stay close to high school sports here in the Buckeye state are, are very proud of what you've, accomplished and and uh very encouraged that you're continuing to do that gotta find a way somehow <laughs> but you know dan i will throw this in right at the end and i don't mean this just because we're on this show um i, I attribute it to the to the people you know again i grew up in rural america and those farmers that that hired me to bale hay you know why they hired me for a penny a bale mm. they hired me because they knew i worked they, were, uh, they would get their money's worth out of me. There's nothing wrong with that. And then, you know what? Then they would hire me to cultivate beans and things like that, you know? And I would not have that work ethic. My dad was a self-made plumber and had his own little plumbing business, passed away at an early age. But, you know, I learned that through small town, you know, the it just it, it, it's the fiber of who I am. And I think many of us that have grown up that way can translate that into the values that we teach to kids in the classroom or on the courts. I think they're synonymous. Wow. Couldn't say it any better. Jerry Snodgrass has been our guest here at In Ohio Country Today podcast, part of the In Ohio Country Today TV show. Once again, Jerry, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. And if you want to reach out to Jerry, you can check him out on Facebook at Jerry Snodgrass or on Twitter at Jerry underscore Snodgrass. And for more information, as always, you can check us out on the web at inohiocountry.com. That's inohiocountry.com. Die Real Estate and Land Company specializes in farmland and recreational land throughout Ohio. A company for people who enjoy the rural lifestyle and looking to buy or sell their land. All of our land agents are members of the Realtors Land Institute and have extensive experience in farming and agricultural land business. At Die Real Estate and Land Company, we'll work with you to tailor-fit a plan that works best for you, your family, and your investments. Our services include 1031 tax-deferred exchanges, land brokerage, land auctions, and CMAs and valuations for estates and planning. We are Die Real Estate and Land Company. Call us today and visit our website at dierealestate.com. Die Real Estate and Land Company. We know the land business because we live it every day.
Alan Davis, business owner, active farmer. No one knows farmers' needs better than Alan. Give him a call today at 419-738-7447 and talk about total farm protection and more. Allen Davis Insurance Agency is your solutions provider for auto, home, life, business, recreational, total farm protection, and more. Call 419-738-7447. That's 419-738-7447. Stretch your dollar a little further with Apple Farm Services Year End Parts Sale. Now through December 23rd, save 10% on all parts when you pay in cash, credit, or check. That's 10% off all the parts you need to get your equipment ready for another season. 10% off the parts you need to rebuild that machine in the barn. Or 10% off that perfect toy, jacket, or gift to put under the tree. It's Apple Farm Services Year End Parts Sale. Hurry and stop in before December 23rd. The new Ag Pack is here at St. Mary's Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, your exclusive certified agriculture dealership. Ag Pack is a powerful package of farm and ranch discounts and incentives worth thousands of dollars absolutely free. Stop by and see Dave Hager, your Ag Commercial Specialist, and ask about the vehicles, discounts, and incentives in the new Ag Pack. You get straight talk, real service, and the right price. St. Mary's Chrysler. Midway Trailers is your source for Boss Snowplows. Boss Snowplows are tough, reliable, and efficient for every job. Remove more snow and ice and get jobs done faster with Boss Snowplows. Boss Snowplows are made of professional-grade equipment, offering optimal design for all conditions. Remember Midway Trailers as your source for Boss Snowplows. Check us out on the web at midwaytrailers.net. Our farm department is committed to providing ag professionals the products, coverages, and peace of mind needed to run a successful operation. With our home office located in the heart of farm country, many of us have first-hand experience when it comes to farming, and we know how to take out the risk. Under one policy, we can provide total protection of your investment, from your home and barns to your equipment and livestock. We also provide an outstanding equine coverage from a homeowner with a single horse to a professional breeder and everything in between. Come join us and experience the Salina difference. That's going to do it for this week's edition of In Ohio Country Today. I'm Dan Wilson, and thank you so very much for joining us. This podcast is part of our In Ohio Country Today TV show, and our radio program, TV show, and podcasts are designed to offer news and information about the agricultural industry here in the Buckeye State. We celebrate farming and farming families. And for more information, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and any of your favorite podcast stations. And don't miss our award-winning TV show seen weekly on a station near you. For links to all those, visit us on the web at inohiocountry.com. That's inohiocountry.com. Have a good day, everybody.